This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Jesus is greater and that changes everything. This morning, I want you to see from this passage, and hopefully the passage will teach you, is that uh, Jesus is greater um, than Moses. Not that Moses isn't great, but Jesus is greater. And that's the point of this passage. And so what we're going to see is that there are great things about Moses as a servant, and then Jesus as the son. Um, From Numbers 12, from Deuteronomy 18, uh, we see that Moses had a plan from God. He was appointed to a purpose to do something uh, significant in the world that would transform the world. He brought the uh, Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. And then uh, he spoke the word of God to them. Numbers 12 says that uh, as Moses was speaking the word, Miriam and Aaron said, well, we can speak the word of God too. And so in Numbers 12, God comes to Miriam and Aaron and says, uh, I know you can speak, but I've chosen Moses. And so in no way today are we going to say that Moses is not great. In fact, there are things in your life that are great too. There's things in your life that, quick note, hey, I want to I wanna talk to you afterwards, brother. I've, I've, we've been texting, but I forgot to follow up. Okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, I love my people. I know I see you in here. And anyways, um, there are things in your life that are great. Jesus is greater. And the idea is that there's going to be all sorts of stuff in your calendar, your plans, your your friendships, your career, uh, all of that stuff. That's going to be great. But Jesus is greater. And so Moses was awesome. There were significant things that he did in Deuteronomy 18, though even he says that there will be someone who's going to come who's going to preach a new word that everyone should obey. Even Moses knew that Jesus was coming. Abraham, David, and Moses all look forward to Jesus. Jesus is greater, and that changes everything. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling... Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now stop there. Therefore, it's similar to in chapter 2 where it says, for this reason. Because of what happened in chapter 1, we have chapter 2. Because of what happened in chapter 2, we have 3. And chapter 3 is saying, because of what Jesus did as coming as a human, taking on the flesh of man to be with us as a brother, now we are brothers and sisters. We've been adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. We're part of the household of God. And now we are brothers and sisters. So it says, therefore holy brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, that means we're part of the family of God, but holy. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and you were like, holy. (laughs) Yep. Have you ever walked in on your spouse, like looking in the mirror, just like that person. (laughs) And maybe you feel like sometimes somebody around you is like living as if they think that they're holier than you. They, they may not say it in front of the mirror, but they live like it. They act like it. They would never tell you their faults. 
In fact, they would say, I don't have any problems. It's all my blank. It's my job that's the problem. It's my spouse that's the problem. It's my kids that are the problem. It's my hobbies that's the problem. It's my body that's the problem. It's all these things that are problems except you. You know, there's a long list of things we could include here. We could look at, our, at the mirror and we could look at ourselves and we could be like, man, I know what I've done. I know who I am. I know what I think. And I have a long list of things that I've failed at, Matt. And when I look at the mirror, all I look at is someone who is worthless. When I look at the mirror, I don't think, man, that guy's holy. I look at the mirror and I think, man, that guy's broken. Maybe today you came in here. Ladies and gentlemen, you came in here and you, you thought in your mind, man, when I look at the mirror of life, I just see brokenness, sinner. You know, here's, what, here's the crazy thing. Some, some people in here today look in the mirror and think, man, that person is perfect. Because you have way too high a view of yourself. Some people in this room look at the mirror and think, man, that person is worthless because you have way too low of a view of yourself. The beauty of the gospel, Jesus looks at you, declares you to be holy. Because it's not what you see in the mirror. It's what God sees in you. Holy brothers and sisters, not just does God see us as holy, but he also gave us a heavenly calling. How much worth do you have? for God to see you and see you as holy, but then go, and now I've given you a calling that is greater than you could have ever received. There's nothing in life that could be as great as God giving you a specific calling. Can you picture this with me? Jesus dies on the cross, raised from the dead. He's seated at a table with you. You're doing communion together. Uh, he's like in physical form after death, and he's sitting with you, and he looks at you in the eyes and he says, therefore, go and make disciples. Right? It's one thing to read in this Bible, in the book of Matthew, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. But could you imagine being like the disciples sitting with Jesus? Could you be, imagine being on that mountain when Jesus first said it? Or being in the mountain when he was about to ascend and he says to be his witnesses through Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all to the ends of the earth. Could you imagine being Peter and you're like walking along the water with Jesus and he goes, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he finally says, now feed my sheep. What if you thought about your life the way that Jesus thinks about you? Holy and you have a heavenly calling. What if you thought about your life in, in this way? When, when you wake up in the morning, instead of thinking about what am I going to do, you think about what does God want me to do? You receive that heavenly calling because you know this. I don't have to sit at a table with God for communion after his death to know that he lives in me. If, if it was going to be impactful for me to be able to reach out and touch him, to smell the food that he eats, to see the drink that he drank, to see his face, to look into his eyes, and for him to speak to me, go and make disciples. How much more impactful is it to know that he is living in me? As his holy temple, he resides in me and every day tells me to go and make disciples. You have a heavenly calling. Now I'm not seen worthless or seen greater than I am. I'm, I'm seen like Christ sees me. I'm, now I'm not living for me or for anyone else. I'm living for him because he created me. Now my whole life has been transformed because Jesus is greater and that changes everything. 
Verse 2. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Notice what happened. He says, it says, he was faithful. Now, before it says, we are holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. We are to be faithful to what God has appointed us to. Jesus is faithful to the one who appointed him. Jesus does what we're supposed to do. We talk about this a lot, how Jesus fulfills what we were supposed to do. He does the mission that you've been given so that we can be forgiven and continue in the mission that we continue to fail at. Now, <laughs> Jesus has done literally everything for us. So look at the end of verse 1. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. The apostle, he's got a mission. He's been appointed. The high priest, what does the high priest do? He forgives. The bridge between who you are and what you do goes through the faithfulness of Jesus to be who God called him to be, the Father, and to forgive you based on what he did. The bridge between you understanding who you are and you taking up what you ought to do is through the cross. It's because we consider Jesus. If today you look at the mirror and you think, man, I'm worthless, it's because you hadn't considered the gospel. If today you look at the mirror and you think, man, I'm better, it's because you haven't considered the gospel. If today you've forgotten the mission God gave you, it's because you haven't considered the gospel. So today, consider Jesus. Verse 3, for Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, you saw in verse 2, Jesus is faithful and so is Moses. It says, just as Moses was in all God's household. Jesus is faithful, so is Moses. Now, verse 3 then shifts to, but Jesus is considered more worthy. Why? Because you're talking to Israelites right now. You're talking to the people who saw Moses lead them out of slavery and into freedom. This is Moses, y'all. When I try to think about Moses, I'm like, who would be comparable to Moses in our day? Try to think about those great heroes that people set up and put up as like the people that they really love in our culture. That's who they loved. And so now the author of, of Hebrews is coming back to say, hey, look, they're great. They did wonderful things, but Jesus is greater. They're both faithful, but Jesus is greater. Your best, your favorite pastor, your favorite preacher, your favorite missionary, your favorite discipleship leader, your favorite life group leader. They may be great. Jesus is greater. So Moses was faithful, but Jesus is considered more worthy. Um, it says at the end of that verse, uh, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Just as the builder. So when, when we think about a builder today, um, is there anybody in, uh, oh, Pastor Glenn, you're in here. That's wonderful. See, you, um, oversaw and were there when your house was being built, right? Uh, maybe some of, somebody else in this room built their house and was there when their house was built. This is very uncommon today. Most of us, including myself, don't know who built their house. I have no clue because I bought it like three people after the original build, uh, people who bought it, right? Um, have you ever drove up on like a piece of property and it's like barren, there's nothing there. And then like six months later, a year later, all of a sudden it's just a huge community. 
beautiful homes, like perfectly paved walkways, driveways, all that stuff. Y'all, that is foreign to scripture, right? So what happened in scripture? They built their own homes. They built their own homes sometimes with the help of friends around them, the community around them. They had to go buy what it was needed to build, right? And when they built their house, they could step back and look at it. Now, nobody walks up on a house and says, well, it's better than you. Well, that actually may be kind of offensive. But what we do today is we see houses and we're like, wow, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Because we don't know who the builder was. How much greater is a builder who can build something that's fantastic, wonderful, beautiful, all those things? How like, impressive is it that you can build your own house? But we don't really know that in our culture. Go back to their culture. So that's why it says, just as the builder has more honor than, than uh, the house, we have to recognize when you see the beauty of this world, 7.30 a.m. this morning, driving over the hills of Carroll County, it was orange, red, and yellow, right? Beautiful morning this morning. Uh, at 4.30 Wednesday night, no, morning, Wednesday morning, I was running, and you could look up, and it felt like I could see every star in the sky. The moon was beaming. It was stunning. This week, God's glory was on display through the beauty of his creation, But are you giving more glory to his creation or to him? Because the builder is more worthy than the house, right? So now continue with me. Verse three, uh, sorry, verse four. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Now we've seen throughout Hebrews chapter one, Colossians chapter one, and I would say throughout scripture that Jesus was there during creation. When the world was created, Jesus was there. He was creating with the Father. The Spirit, the Son, and the Father were all present at creation. So we know Jesus was building. And we know that if this verse says uh, this to be true, that the one who built everything is God, then Jesus is God. So every house is built by someone. What was this creation? Who created this world that we exist in? I think it's amazing to think through these things as human beings, to just take a step back and go, man, my little world, you know, my little house, my little car, my little cell phone, my little everything, Jesus is greater. You think about Jesus, do you think about him being greater than all these little things in your life? Yet all these little things take up so much of our time. So they take up so much of our thought life and actions and emotions. If your phone falls on the ground, what do you do? (gasps) Is it cracked? (laughs) We care. If you lose your phone for like five minutes, what do you do? (laughs) Panic attack, onset, right? Because we let it control our emotions. You know, we give so much weight and so much glory to things that have been created. And yet our creator, who is God, is worthy of much more glory and honor than our creation. So what this passage is going to do is it's going to show us that Moses was part of creation, and yet Jesus was the creator. So look at verse 4. It says, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. See, Moses was faithful 
but he was faithful as a servant in God's household. Again, as we pointed to already in Deuteronomy 18, it shows us that Moses believes there's a prophet who is coming that's going to speak a greater word that people should follow. That prophet is Jesus. He's the greater prophet because he's not just words of God. He is the word of God, right? He can't just speak. He is. He embodies the whole word of God fully in himself. Okay, so when it says Moses was faithful as a servant, that means he's speaking. He's serving God's household. He's within God's household. But verse six says this, but Christ was faithful. So you think about Moses was great, but Christ was greater. Moses was faithful, but Christ was faithful as what? A son over a household. So this is different. He's over the household. He's not in the household. He's not a servant within the household. He is the son over the household. He's been given authority and power over the household to which we claim to be the church, us. So God has authority over us and he's given it to his son, Jesus Christ, to have authority over us, not to be within us, even though he is a brother, he's also over the church. And so now we see that why is Jesus greater than Moses? Because Moses is part of the household and Jesus is over the household. What we're trying to do is show the Israelites that Jesus is greater than Moses. But today what I want to show you is that Jesus is greater. And you could, you could add anything to that. Jesus is greater than what? He's greater. So Jesus is greater and that changes everything. You know, this is most likely a reference. Uh, this passage references probably Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, You are to tell him, that is what the Lord of armies says. Here is a man whose name is Branch. He will branch out from his place and build the Lord's temple. He will branch out. Now, as you've probably known, I've said before, the Hebrew word for na- uh, branch is Natsar. Uh, you can hear in there, Nazareth, Nazareth, where Jesus came from. Jesus is the Nazar of Israel. He is the branch. He's the one who's going to build the temple. But in God's goodness and gospel, we are the temple. So now Jesus is building up his household. And who's his household? We are the household. So he's over the household. He's over us. And now we look at it in the context of, okay, Moses built a nation. Abraham built a nation. David built a nation. Jesus has built up God's people to be the church by his blood. So the whole goal from, of God from creation until Jesus was for uh, Israel to lead to the nations. To, God chose the people of Israel literally to get to you. Think about that. Every step of the way, you're like, man, that looks broken. That looks messed up. That looks like it. Man, were they really doing what they were supposed to do? Y'all ever read through the Old Testament and just been like, whew, I don't think I'm that bad. <laughs> you know, David, man, he did some things. You look at the, the, their plan. Have you ever just thought about like, wow, they just went and destroyed all these nations and these cities and they did some things? Man, that looks pretty bad. Are y'all with me? This is tough stuff to wrestle through. You look at them and you're like, man, they look pretty bad. And then you look at their plan and you're like, man, that plan looks pretty bad. But let's go back to the beginning, right? When you look at the mirror of your life and you look at it, don't you look at it and go, whew, that looks pretty bad. 
And man, my mission, my plans, they don't look like what I thought they were going to look like. And all of life is kind of looking at it that way. But did you know that God, in his infinite grace and mercy, chose Abraham to be the father of a nation that would look pretty bad and have a pretty rough plan. But yet through all of that mistakes and failures and plans that went wrong, God worked through all of the mess of humanity to get to you. <clears throat> yeah, to get to that man or woman that's looking in the mirror going, I'm pretty broken yeah, but God sees you and he loves you. So you, you come back to this verse and you look at verse five as Moses was a faithful servant. Yeah, because, because he was going to get to you. To get to you, right? Verse six, but Christ was faithful as a son over his household and now we are that household. And how good does that feel that God worked through this house uh, of Israel to get to you? And now we have this challenge. And for the next like four chapters, you're going to be challenged, y'all. I'm not, I'm not kidding. You're going to be challenged. Sometimes you're going to walk out of here like, yeah, that was good. Sometimes you're going to walk out of here like, yeah, I got, I got to do some things, right? Uh, we're all going to be challenged, myself included. And we're going to be challenged theologically. We're going to be challenged practically. But I want to just root you for a moment. I want to root you down in some truth here for a second. In the, in the latter portion of this last verse, it says, we are that household if. Man, I don't know if I like that word if sometimes. I want to just, just kind of cut off there and be like, yeah, we're that household done. You know, if, we're that household if what? If we hold on to our confidence and hope and the hope in which we boast. Now I'm like, man, I got to do something. How, how can I do this? But then I, I start to look at it and I'm like, I'm not, my confidence it wasn't in me anyways. You don't have, I, I don't know about you, but I don't look in the mirror and go, man, I, I've got this all under control. I, every decision I've made is good. I look at the mirror and I go, I'm desperate for you, Jesus. I need some help out here. I fall asleep in tears sometimes going, God, help mold me and shape me into the man you've created me to be. I want to be the godly pastor and the godly husband, the godly dad that you called me to be. Like, I need Jesus desperately. Do you? And if so, all of a sudden, my confidence isn't in me in the first place. So now I go back to it and I look at it and it's like, I'm part of the household if I hold on to the confidence that I can't be part of the household if it ain't for Jesus. You know? I, I can't be part of that household if it wasn't for the one who owns that household, who happens to be Jesus, who sees me as worthy when I see myself as worthless, who sees me as mission ready when I see my whole life as going just like crazy off the path. He's like, I got a path for you. Listen to me. So now we're, we have confidence in Christ. Our hope is in Christ, not in ourselves. Now that if looks a little bit better, because if that if wasn't there and I was like, okay, I, I'm in the household, but what do I need to do now? No, I can, I can see that if and go, oh, I know what I do. I trust in him. I know what I can do. I can rely on him to give me the path, my plan for my life. What should I do? Where should I go? Who should I be? What should I think about? Like all that stuff now, it's not about me. It's about him. So I can take it up and go, hey, look, this is a little bit, whew. I don't have to look in the mirror and 
judge myself. I get to trust that he's going to judge me. And when he judges me, he sees me as worthy. This is good. So I want you to see the three points from this passage. First, Jesus is the son over the household. Second, we are the household if we hold on. And third, the household is holy and called. Just remember those things. Try to remember these three things. Take, take a picture of it. Write it down. Jesus is the son over the household. He's not a servant within the household like Moses. He's a son over the household. And we are that household who's been declared to be holy and been given a mission. Now, I want you to apply this to your life. I want you to think through this because you've heard me say this before, but if you're new, I'll say it again. God does not, like, when, when we ask you, hey, how's your, man, how are you doing? Like, what's your relationship with Jesus look like today? Nine times out of ten, here's what I hear. And, and look, if you said this before, I love you. I hope I corrected you, but I love you. If your response is, man, I just need to get back into the word. Or, or maybe it's like this, I just need to get back into church. Or, man, I just need to start giving again. Or I just need to start going again. Or my prayer life is just struggling right now. Here's the problem with that. What we do oftentimes is we segment Jesus. We segment him out in our life. It's like, as long as I'm reading the Bible for like 15 minutes a day, my life's going to be all right. So here's, here's what that looks like. Jesus is great, but my day is better. Or like, man, if I just prayed a little bit more, like if I could pray for like 10 minutes before work, I'd be set, you know? Well, that's like Jesus is great, but my work is greater. What we got to do is we got to start looking at our day and going, what, what in my life shouldn't be saturated with prayer saturated with God's word and meditation, saturated with the gospel so that I'm evangelizing and, and sharing kindness and goodness and love to those who are around me? What in my life shouldn't be saturated with God being greater? You see, sometimes when, when we segment Jesus, here's what it looks like. It looks like us working Jesus into our calendar. Like, well, I got a 10 a.m. I got to take care of. I got that lunch that I got to take care of. So I'm not going to have any time for doing anything with Jesus during that time. What, what about 3 p.m.? Nope, I, gotta, I forgot I got to go work out, and then I got to do this. W what if your whole calendar was just saturated with the gospel? So now you're looking at relationships. You're looking at meetings, and you're looking at uh, times of walking or exercising. You're looking at your time of eating and drinking. You're looking at your time of rest and sleeping, and you're going, how does Jesus influence this time? What would it look like for Jesus to be greater than this time? I think about like, you know, people who study the Bible but don't apply it for the rest of their day. I think about people who, you know, will attend church on Sunday and then throughout the week not live according to it and gather with the church at all throughout the week. And I'm like, did Jesus call us to give him Sunday and nothing else? And so we segment Jesus. We segment church. Here, let me challenge you with this. What would it look like for us to offer up all aspects of our life? Like when you eat, you look at your, your dinner time, you look at your lunch time, your breakfast time, and you're literally like, God, thank you for what you've given me. I'm going to eat not too much and not too little, just what you've given me. You know, what would it look like to look at what you drink and just be like, man, God, thank you 
for sustaining me. I'm going to drink what is good for me. What, what does it look like for you to wake up in the morning and say, God, today I'm going to do what you've called me to do? Go make disciples. I, I don't need you to come down here and, you know, physically touch me and stand before me and look at me in the eyes to get me to move, God. What do you want me to do? I will go and do it. When Jesus is over everything, it looks like this. Um, who should I surround myself with? It looks like this. How should I act? Is going to be influenced by Jesus. My mission, my vision for my life, my 10-year plan for my life, my, my, my plans for my spouse and for my children, all of those things being saturated by the gospel. Because now I'm not segmenting Jesus. I'm not letting him have a portion of my life. I'm letting him have my whole life. Let me give you a few tips towards this. Do a Christ-centered analysis of your calendar. Look through it and, and, and don't just try to find time for Jesus. Find Jesus in your time, right? Moving Jesus into every place of your day to let him receive the glory for what you do. For with every second and every breath you have, bring glory to God by what you do. What if you did this? What if you prioritized your actions and your emotions around his heart? What if you could say throughout the day, like, well, man, I don't have two hours to study the Bible like some of your theologians. And I'm like, I, that's not what we're asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is when you come upon, upon a, a struggle and you're in a conversation with one of your coworkers, do you let Christ invade that moment? What would my God do right now? How would my God view this person? Parents, like you're in a conversation with your children. What would, how would God speak to them? How would God challenge you to treat them? Right? And so now I'm letting God invade all of my life. What would it look like for you to let people sharpen you and to sharpen others? Here's what I mean by this. Here's a simple way to say this. Be a person that influences others and around people that should influence you. That's a simple way to say it. Be a person who influences others and around people who should influence you. Be careful that you don't put people around you that shouldn't influence you, that you aren't influencing. You see what I'm saying? Now have both of those in your life, but don't get them a little bit off balance because all of a sudden we start segmenting. You're like, I only hang out with Christians. I'm like, oh, good for you. You don't look anything like Jesus. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, you're like, man, I only hang out with people outside of church. And I'm like, well, man, you're getting super empty. You need to be filled up. There's a reason that God built the church to encourage you to inspire you to love and good deeds. Like we need one another, right? So there's this balance here. I'm going to influence others and I'm going to be influenced by others, but I'm going to make sure I balance those out that those who are influencing me are doing good and those who I'm influencing, I'm influencing to do good. That's what it looks like for God to invade every part of your life because I'm not going to segment him. Why? Because Jesus is greater and that changes everything. I honor God with the temple that he's given me. It's a commitment for you and I to honor God with the blessing of life. 
What are you going to do with your life, with your body, with what you eat, drink, and do? Uh, we meditate on God's word for a transformation of our actions and emotions. So it's not just reading the Bible in the morning. It's taking a passage and letting it work throughout your mind and your heart and your actions all through the day. Maybe through the week, maybe through the month, maybe through even years. You're letting a passage stir something up in your heart. Right? What does God's word say about this? I meditate on it day and night. So, look, if you can just take a passage in the morning, you can segment your time to read. Also, influence the rest of your day with what you read. And now Jesus is influencing your whole day, not just a portion. What would it look like for you to let God invade how you view yourself and your career or your life to the point where you could say, man, I am holy because he made me holy. Today might be one of the first days for somebody in this room to have walked in this room and you've thought your whole life, I'm so worthless. And today you get to hear this. Jesus sees you as worthy. When you look in the mirror of life and you feel like you are the worst, Jesus died for you. You're worth his life. When Jesus invades your whole life and when he's over everything, Jesus is greater, you start to recognize that He's greater than how I even view myself. He's greater than how even others view me. Jesus is greater. If he's greater than what he says is greater, and if he says about me that I'm his brother or sister, then that's greater than what I thought about myself. And if my father says that I'm his son or daughter, then that means that it's greater than what I thought about myself. And even further, if he says that I'm a conqueror and an overcomer, then that's greater than what I thought about myself. Because I sure thought I was weak, broken, unable, failing. And I'm not talking about figuratively. That's what I thought about myself. Ask my wife. But my God pours over my heart and my life that I'm an overcomer and a conqueror not because of who I am, but because of who he is. You got to know who you are today. And when you think that you're not greater than what you see in the mirror, Jesus is greater. And he said, you are his. So here's how we can respond today. As the band comes forward, here's your gospel response this morning. Will you trust in Jesus as the son of God? Trust in Jesus as the Son of God. Today, somebody in here this, this morning, you're like me. You have wrestled throughout your life trusting that you're okay, trusting that you can keep going, trusting that you are, like, good enough, that you can figure it out, that you don't, like, have to fight by yourself. You know what I'm saying? When you feel like you just like can't get out of something and you just can't overcome, you're just like, man, will I ever stop? Will I ever change? Will I ever start being nicer or stop gossiping and stop lying or start stop cheating or whatever it may be in your life? You're just like, will I ever stop? Trust in Jesus. You need him. You can't do this alone.
You need the way he views you. You need the way he sends you. You need the way he strengthens you. In this passage, it says he is our hope and our confidence. You know, when I think about that, that if statement, here's what I thought about. I thought, man, if my confidence is in myself, it's pretty weak. But if if my confidence is Christ, then my strength is his strength. Like, I'm only as strong as he is. Like, I can't be any stronger. My hope is only as strong as, like, the hope that he offers me. And and the confidence comes from him. And now I have a great boldness because I know this, right? If Jesus is greater, if he is my high priest and my king, he goes before me to the Father. In the presence of the Father, he makes a way for me. If he's my king, then as uh, uh, Haggai says, if he's my king, he shakes the nations. And Hebrews says, we have an unshakable kingdom. So now in my life, I'm starting to look at myself going, like we said earlier, who I am has been transformed by the high priest. And now what I do has been changed by the king because I'm in an unshakable kingdom. I don't have to walk around in fear anymore. I know that my plan, the, God, the plan that God has given me is unshakable. I know that who I am is now a conqueror and an overcomer. And so I find strength in knowing that I can trust in him. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid to wake up in the morning and be who I am in Christ. Are you? Do you still fear who you are? Are you, are you afraid of who you're becoming? Are you worried that you're not going to be ever, able to overcome? Would you trust in Jesus? My second challenge for you is, would you look at your life, look at what you do, and consider how God could transform every area of it? Here's what this is, this is going to look like. You know, you may say, man, I'm going to spend 10 minutes in the morning, you know, studying my Bible. But what are you going to do with the rest of your day? You know, it looks like this. It's, it's like I, in the morning, I'm going to worship Jesus for about, you know, 20 minutes. Then I'm going to pray for about 15. Then I'm going to journal for about five. Yeah, but what are you going to do for the rest of your day? Hi, let me, let me dig, dig a little bit deeper into segmenting. If you were to segment out like, let's say, 20 minutes to study about God's word and memorizing his word, maybe pray, and then spend the rest of your day looking at porn, what, what are you doing? What, do you, what, do you, what are we doing? We're segmenting Jesus into a time of our life and then we're forgetting him for the rest of the day. Here's, here's a, maybe a little bit even more deep. What if you spent like 10 minutes of your day or sorry, 10% of your income, and you're like, man, I'm just going to give to the Lord. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to make sure I always do this. And the rest of your 90% you're spending on things contrary to what God has for you. You're like, man, I'm going to spend 20% on prostitution. I'm going to spend 30% on food that's unhealthy for me. I'm going to spend the other 10% on drinks that are unhealthy for me. And all of a sudden your whole life looks like, hey, you gave 10% to Jesus and the rest of the 90 to hell. So we're segmenting out. What would it look like for Jesus to take all 100%? 100% of your finances, 100% of your time, and give you back what is good for you. Only what is good for you. So you eat, sleep, drink, do, treat each other kindly in a way that honors God. So would you look at your whole life? Here's one way. I always want to give you one way you can walk away today because you may be like, man, I need to do something different today. What do I do, Matt? Have you all ever done a financial audit of your life? You're like, 
you might do this weekly or monthly. You look at your budget and you're like, man, I'm spending too much here. I need to fix this here. I need to change these things here. We all do this, right? Sometimes we're doing better. Sometimes we're doing worse. Like we're struggling. We need some help. All those different places in your life. You look at financially. Maybe you've done a time audit. People do this a lot. You do a time audit. You look at like every hour and break it down. You're like, whew, I need to find some time here. Where can I find a moment so I can do something that I want to do? You know, I need some, find some time. Will you do a life audit? And here's what I mean by that. Would you take your life and break it down by what you do? What you eat, what you drink, how you speak to your spouse, to your kids, who you hang out with, what your career looks like, your hobbies look like, your exercise looks like, everything in your life. You put it all down and you audit that out and go, is Jesus greater or is it? And if there's ever any categories, and you might put two categories up there, like Jesus is great, Jesus is greater. In that Jesus is great category, you might say, well, exercise is greater and Jesus is just great. Food is greater and Jesus is just great. In those categories, I encourage you to shift those. What would it look like for Jesus to be greater and your career be great? Where you're not spending your life away at career, but your career is supporting your life. What would it look like for you to change the way you view your family to where everything in the world is part of supporting the calling that God has given you to disciple your family? Do a life audit. And where Jesus isn't greater, transform things. And where you need help, reach out for help. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. We need help. We all desperately need you. You are our strength. You are our hope. You are the grace that we can receive. You're the reason we can look at the mirror and know that it's going to be okay because you have made it good. We know that all things work together for good despite our failures. And so just as Moses was faithful, would you help us to be faithful as we look forward to the one who is to come, Jesus. Help us to be faithful today. Help us to rely on your strength today. Father, we need you. We praise you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.